Good evening, everyone. Well, we can do better than that. Good evening, everyone. It is certainly my honor and my privilege to be here this evening. Our panelists are Ms. Patricia Scott. She is the Assistant Vice uh, President of Financial Aid, Financial Aid at the University of Maryland at Baltimore. Mr. Robert Parker, Director, Maryland Higher Education Commission, who will discuss financial aid assistance offered by the State of Maryland. Ms. Roberta Goldman, Program Director for the Central Scholarship Bureau, and she will discuss how to search for private scholarship opportunities. Mr. Uh, Troy Quinn, Assistant Director of Admissions for Morgan State University. He will discuss the college admissions process and what colleges look for in students. And Ms. Julie Knox Brown, Assistant Director of Advising for Howard Community College, who will discuss why students should consider community colleges to begin their post-secondary education. Finally, uh, joining us to speak uh, will be Mr. Marlon Ritchie, the director of Maryland Learning Center, uh, and he will talk about SAT and college assessment test uh, preparation. The, and they will, they will speak in that order in a minute. This is the 13th year we have done this uh, scholarship fair, and the main reason why we do the scholarship fair is because we want, when our young people get to the point of going to college, uh, I want to make sure that every single one of them is not barred from going to college because of money. We make you aware of what is available and then give you access to it and then try to help you get it. And, and let me tell you something. I want you to hear me very carefully because I say this every year. There is money that you paid, that you paid, you, you have paid for many years in taxes. Now, some of your children uh, were not of college age while you were, you were paying this money. And by the way, after they you know, finished college, you're going to still be paying. But right now is your opportunity to get some of that money back because it's your turn. It's your child's turn. And if you sit and don't try to get some of that money back, it's a shame. Because what that will mean is that you will have been paying before your children were available for college, while they were available for college, and you'll pay after they're available for college. Something's wrong with that picture. And so what I'm saying is a lot of people say, no, nah, I'm not going to apply for no, no state scholarship. You better. It's going to come either out of your pocket or it's going to come out of the money that you've already paid. Now, if some of you all are just rich and got a lot of money and don't mind doing that, that's fine. But I'm just, I'm just, I'm begging you. I'm not asking. I'm begging you to listen carefully to what we're going to say here today, all of our wonderful guests, things that they're going to talk about. And they will give you the information. They're going to, you're going to find that they're going to talk about deadlines. Deadlines. I hope you've got a pen because these deadlines are very, very important. And they will tell you if, if, you, if you miss deadlines, you miss out on money. And these are not some of them deadlines that you can play with. They are very, very serious. And so uh, let me just finish saying what I was going to say. Last year, the federal government provided approximately $83 billion in aid to 14 million students. According to the College Board, most students and their families can expect to pay on an average of from $380 to $1,400 more for tuition than students paid last year. 
we're very fortunate here in the state of Maryland in that Governor O'Malley and our state legislature, they have frozen the tuition uh, rates for four years. But, but, four years I think is going to be up very shortly. Matter of fact, I think this might be, this might be the last one. I'm not sure. Maybe it's either this year or next year. So while your student is in college, if they're at a Maryland school, their tuition is going to go up. I sit on the board for Morgan State University. I've been on that board for 10 years. Boards do not want to raise tuition. They don't want to raise tuition. I'm telling you, they don't. The problem is that they don't have the money to do the things that they need to do. And so, so you can cut a lot of classes. In other words, you can cut stuff out of the schedule in an effort to save money. That is a college can, but what does that do? That takes down the quality of the education, and it takes, by, it takes away the quantity. In other words, the choices that a, a student would have. And so you've got to maintain that balance. So that's a real problem. As you probably know, we've got a lot of people who've been complaining about what's called the American Recovery and Reinvestment Act, the stimulus bill. You've heard all kinds of things about the stimulus bill. Uh, but what people don't realize and don't talk about is that it makes uh, college part of that bill, makes college more affordable for approximately 7 million students by, again, increasing the Pell Grant by $500 for a maximum of $5,350 in 2009 and then $5,550 in 2010. It improves current higher education tax credits by creating a new American Opportunity Tax Credit with a maximum of $2,500. And it also makes this new tax credit available to more than 4 million low-income students. And if you have, and I'm sure our guests, uh, one of you all will talk about, somebody talk about this tax credit because that's very important. A lot of people, if you don't go to the right tax person to prepare your taxes, you might miss out on that $2,500. So I want you to be aware of that. That, is, that was done, that was one of the first things that President Obama and this uh, administration did uh, when he got into office. Um, last year, we in the Congress passed what's called the College Cost Reduction and Access Act, uh, the single largest investment in college financial aid in over 60 years. As I mentioned, our federal efforts uh, make college more affordable for approximately 7 million of our students by increasing the Pell Grant. I, I keep saying that because that's a very important thing. We've been trying to do that for years. Um, student loans. 5.5 million students borrow need-based federal student loans uh, each year. Now, I, I just want to, one of the things that concerns me and it should concern you is that a lot of times, parents, our children come out of school with so much debt, so much debt, it'll take them 10, 10, 20 years just to pay the debt. If you can find a grant, take the grant. And I'm serious because, I mean, that the money looks nice, and, I, and I, I'm, not, I'm not trying to discourage you. If you have to take a loan, you do that. But what I tell people to do is try to get money out of different places, from different places, and put it, piece it together so that you come up with enough money. And then if you have to have a loan, you go ahead and get the loan. But we've done something to help you if you have, done, if you have to go the loan route. Interest rates, uh, these student loans have dropped. We, we dropped the student loans from 6.8% interest to 6% on July 1st. That was done by the Congress, uh, making these loans more affordable for millions of low- and middle-income uh, income students. This is the first step towards having 
uh, these interest rates. In other words, we want to cut them in half. Over the next four years, these rates will continue to de decrease until they reach 3.4%. The interest rate cut will save the typical four-year student starting college this fall about $2,750 over the life of his or her loan. The law also encourages and rewards public service by providing loan forgiveness after 10 years for public servants, including military service members, first responders, nurses, librarians, and others. There are areas where there are shortages of folks. As a matter of fact, in the area of nurses, uh, they're going overseas to get nurses. Did you know that? And we've got to do better than that. We've got uh, uh, one of the best nursing schools. Well, we have several. One of the best is right up the street from my house, Coppin State University, and they're literally, literally turning away students because they don't have enough, the, the faculty that they need, and they don't have the space. And that's a problem with all nursing schools that I know of. And so we're trying to remedy that, but uh, the fact is, is that there are a lot of opportunities, there are a lot of good schools, and now we, and that's another thing that we're talking about tonight, how do you give yourself the, an edge to, when you've got everybody who is competing against you to get in some of these schools, everybody uh, looks great, the question is, how do you promote yourself so that an admission person say, admissions person says, you know what, he or she is the person that we want at our school, and so we wanted to give you some information on that. Finally, let me tell you this. To ensure that families can continue to access loans they need to pay for college, we passed another act. It's called Ensuring Continued Access to Student Loan Act. Uh, last May, we passed that, and the program reduced borrowers' reliance on costlier private uh, college loans and encourage uh, responsible borrowing. It gave parent borrowers more time to begin paying off their federal plus college student loans. Uh, these are our tax dollars, making sure, sure that you receive every penny of the money helps. And each of our speakers this evening is deeply committed to making sure that we do just that. And that's why I'm so excited that they are here and between their little their speeches, and they're going to be very brief. So we got because we also want you to get back downstairs to talk to all of the wonderful people down there. Um, but let me just leave you with this: uh, as a father who uh, has a daughter who has already uh, completed college, I can tell you um, that we have to be very careful with our children at this point in their lives. And because my daughter, when she got ready to go to college, she was trying to go to some college. I don't, you know, is that? And, and um, <laughs> I don't remember the name of it. But anyway, I said to her, I said, who's going to pay for it? I mean, these, these are the times where we have to have some very frank conversations with our kids. And then I asked her one question. I told her something. I said, you know, I graduated from City College years ago. And I said, if you're trying to impress your friends, hello, if you're trying to impress your friends, let me tell you a little secret, girlfriend. I said, most of the guys that I graduated from City College, and then back then it was 20-some years ago, I said, I have not had a 15-minute conversation with more than five of them since I graduated. I said, so if I was trying to impress them in the 12th grade, what did it really mean? What we've got to concentrate on as a family is we've got to concentrate on what we can afford. 
And I also told her the story, and then I'm going to get to my panelists, of how, and we see this as a trend, parents. I want you to listen to this. We see a trend of students who go to schools far away, usually, for big mucks. I mean, I'm talking about high, high tuition, and then they find themselves right smack dab back in Maryland at a school, sometimes close to their house, a very good school, the next year. Now, that's not to say that they didn't do pretty good there. They just couldn't afford it. And so I just want to, I just, I think if we are going to have frank conversations with our students, our, our youngsters, we've got to be very, very frank and not put ourselves in a position where it becomes impossible to pay for something we can't afford so that we can impress the Joneses because it just doesn't get it. It really doesn't. I just had to throw that in. I'm, now, our first speaker this evening is Patricia Scott, and as I said to you before, she's an assistant uh, vice president for financial aid at the University of Maryland in Baltimore. Ms. Scott is going to will share her insights about federal education policy and the, and the uh, critical importance of completing the free application for federal student aid on time. You have the opportunity tonight to hear a lot of very important information. So as the congressman indicated, if you have a pen, pencil, something to write with, please take notes. Because trust me, every year you're going to have to go back to this information so that you can make certain that you take advantage of the free money that is possibly available to you to attend school. We're going to first talk about the free application for federal student aid, which is a form that you can complete to be considered for three different types of federal aid. There are going to be five different grant programs that you may be eligible for, federal work study, and the federal loan program. The earliest that you can complete this free application for federal student aid is January 1st. What I say to students is, after you leave your services on December 31st, January 1st, the first thing that you need to do is to complete your free application for federal student aid. It's very important that for every school that you're interested in applying to, that you find out now. This is November 9th. Call them tomorrow if you're going to make application for admission. Your question's going to be, what is your financial aid deadline? If they say to you that that deadline is March 1st, in your mind you need to say that that deadline is February 1st because you don't want to wait until February 28th to fill out your FAFSA or any other forms because I'm going to tell you what happens at my school. We have a March 1st deadline, but we run out of money. So to make certain that you're in the very early pool, you want to apply early January. Now, when you complete this FAFSA, it's going to ask you for income information. We know by January 1st, most of us have not even looked at the W-2 form that we may have received the very end of December. I say most of us are on a fixed income. So if you, whatever your earnings were in 2008, nine chances out of 10, you're going to make the same in 2009. You may make less. You can complete this form using estimated information because you can always go back and make corrections. So what I'm trying to say to you tonight, 
Don't come up with any excuses because I've already told you you can use estimated income in order to complete the form because you can go back and make corrections. Now, when you complete this form, it's going to go to up to eight schools. So you can apply and send your FAFSA to up to eight schools initially. If you're applying to more than eight, once you verify that the schools have gotten that information, take somebody off, add somebody else on there. It's important that what you want to do is make certain that you put a Maryland school on the form so that your information will go to the State Scholarship Administration. Now, filling out this form, these are the federal grants that a school will consider you for. The federal Pell Grant. Currently, this year, the maximum that a student can receive if they have what is called a zero contribution is $5,380. If you're eligible for a Pell Grant, you can also be considered for the Supplemental Education Opportunity Grant. The maximum you can receive from that program is $4,000. So right there, we're almost at $10,000 in federal free money that you can receive if you complete the FAFSA and if you qualify. Now, if you're a high school senior and you're in a rigorous program and you have a certain grade point average, there's the academic competitive grant that you could be considered for, and that maximum is $750. If you're interested in teaching, which is also a critical shortage area, the federal government has what is called the TEACH grant. So full-time students who are interested in teaching, that's another $4,000. So right there, we're at almost $15,000 that you could receive in federal aid. Work study. I say to students all the time, depending on what your class load is, work study is a great way to earn work experience, but also to earn money. Some students frown on the fact that we start at minimum wage for work study. But if you don't have to borrow that money and you can work in the library, in the dining hall, in the campus center, there are a wide variety of work-study jobs that are available. We even hire people in the financial aid office as work-study students. So work-study is a wonderful way for you to help finance your education without borrowing money. And last but not least, there are three federal loan programs that by completing the FAFSA you would be eligible to be considered for. The federal Perkins loan. An undergraduate student can borrow up to $5,500 under the federal Perkins loan program. This loan has a 5% interest rate. And the student is the borrower, so parents are not co-signing for a Perkins loan. It would be their loan. But for some different majors, there are cancellation provisions under the Perkins loan program. So if you're in one of those unique majors that qualify for cancellation, you're borrowing $5,500 possibly under the Perkins loan program, but you may never repay that loan because it's eligible for certain cancellation provisions. So, for example, if you are a nursing student and you get a Perkins loan, that qualifies for cancellation. If you are in school to be a dental hygienist or a medical research technologist, that's eligible for cancellation. The congressman spoke about the Stafford loan program. For 2010-2011, the interest rate on that subsidized loan for undergraduate students is going to actually be 4.5%. That's a big drop from the original 6.8%. And then last but not least, parents, there is a Parent PLUS loan that if your student doesn't get enough money to cover the total cost of attendance, that's something that you can borrow. And what I want to say about the cost of attendance quickly is this. When a school determines the cost of attendance, we include tuition, mandatory fees, books, supplies, a living expense budget. 
what you really need to do is look to see what actually has to be paid to that school out of that cost of attendance. So if you receive an award letter and it says the cost of attendance is $30,000, your question needs to be, what do I actually pay to the institution? Because it may come down that you're not actually paying $30,000. And if that's the case, you may not have to borrow a Parent PLUS loan or your child may not have to borrow a Stafford loan. So what you also want to think about is financial aid people, we're good people. We want to make certain that your students and you are only borrowing what you need to borrow. So what you do is you open those lines of communications. As I indicated, you're going to call and find out what the deadline date is. When you get that award letter, if you have any questions, call. Ask as many questions as you need to ask before you make that final decision and sign on the dotted line. Dr. Uh, Mr. Robert Parker, Director of the Office of Student Financial Assistance for the Maryland Higher Education Commission will now uh, speak about financial aid assistance offered by the state of Maryland. And I continue to, I want you, every time you hear uh, people like uh, Mr. Parker speak, just keep in mind, keep this in your, in your mind. He's talking about money that you've already paid, okay? Your tax dollars. He's not coming up here with gifts. This is money you've already paid, okay? I don't want to take the gloss, the, the, law, the gloss off of your presentation, but I want them to understand. They want, I want them to get their money back, okay? All right, this is my first uh, voyage to this uh, particular venue. Uh, usually someone else came over to do it, but that person retired, so... I'm uh, taking over that duty, so I'll probably be seeing you in the years to come also. Thank you. Thank you very much. I'm going to expand a little bit on what Ms. Scott just told you. One thing about the Maryland Higher Education Commission and the financial aid programs that we do for the residents of Maryland to go to Maryland public schools, Maryland private colleges, Maryland community colleges, Maryland career schools. Most of our uh, programs of financial aid are need-based programs, which means we also use the FAFSA to determine your eligibility. So if you're applying for federal aid and you put a Maryland school on your FAFSA to get the results, you've automatically applied for any Maryland financial aid programs that we have. So by doing the FAFSA, you've already applied for Maryland financial aid. Just put a Maryland college on there. Now most of our aid is based on need. That's what the FAFSA does, determines your eligibility. The majority of our money is, is in two separate programs. About 70% of the $110 million that we award each year is in those two programs, a guaranteed access grant program and an educational assistance grant program. The EA program is one that pays, will award up to $3,000 a year, and you can get a renewal once you get the first one. The renewal is sort of automatic. All you have to do is apply next year, and you've got it. Uh, for the Guaranteed Access Grant, that is our, our really premier need-based aid program. Students that qualify for that can get up to $14,300 a year, okay? And we have people that get that much from that program. It's for the neediest students. The only other requirement other than doing a FAFSA is a separate application just for informational purposes and having a grade point average of 2.5 when you graduate from our high school. So that program is sitting there, and that's the majority of our funds. We also have part-time grant programs that are based on need. 
We give money to the schools to award those funds. We also have merit-based scholarships called Distinguished Scholars, and we give quite a few of those each year, at least 300. Those are worth $3,000 apiece. We give them for academic merit, and we also give them for talent in the arts. And we have a big presentation ceremony that we do each year, and we just had one at the University of, uh, Mer- University of Maryland, Baltimore County. And that was uh, quite a, a presentation. We had talented people showing us why they got their scholarships. So those are a little competitive, and we actually have a talent contest and award those. In addition, the state of Maryland allows their legislators to award scholarships directly to students. So each delegate in each one of your districts, three delegates and a senator, each one of those people can award scholarships. You have to apply directly to the legislator's office. So you want to make sure that you do that, and you want to do it all by March 1st. March 1st is the state of Maryland's deadline to complete that FAFSA. And as Ms. Scott said, don't wait until February 28th to do this. You want to do it as early in the year as you possibly can. And even if the information that you put on that application is not correct, that's all right. Just meet the deadline. We'll work on correcting the data afterwards. But we, look, we are very strict on our March 1st deadline. We are required by the state of Maryland to have made all these awards by May 1st. And the only way we can do that is have a March 1st deadline. So keep that in mind. Regardless of what the school's deadline is, for the state of Maryland, you have to meet the March 1st deadline. And that's why you'll see a lot of Maryland schools have that March 1st deadline. I encourage you all to apply. I saw all these computers downstairs. And that's a free service that the library offers. So if you don't have a computer at home, you can come here and use these computers. Also, about January, February, you'll see some advertisements in the newspaper, on the local TV, probably on the radio station, about something called College Gold Sunday. That's a program that's nationwide where schools put on workshops to help people with their FAFSA forms. Take advantage of that. I used to work at Baltimore City Community College. We had a College Gold Sunday program. We had it open. People could come in. Our staff would sit down. And this was on a Sunday, too. After church, you can take advantage of those programs. Go there, and you'll have professionals at those schools help you with that application process. And most of them have computers where you can also use their computers to do those things. So I encourage you. Take advantage of these programs that are available. Meet those deadlines. And if you need help, call these representatives at the school. You can call the Maryland Higher Education Commission. I have a staff of 12 people that will be glad to help you as much as they possibly can. So thank you, and I'm glad you're here tonight. When I served in the Maryland legislature for 14 years, uh, I had an opportunity to get all the delegates and all of the senators had an opportunity, as they do today, to present scholarships. You should apply if you, to your delegate and your senator. And if you don't know who they are, call my office and we'll let you know. My office is 410-685-9199. You need to apply for those scholarships because they give them on different bases, but you need to do it. Somebody's going to get that money. 
and it might as well be you. All right, next we have uh, Ms. Roberta Goldman, the program director at the Central Scholarship Bureau. Ms. Goldman will provide us with information about how to search for private uh, scho uh, college scholarship opportunities. Thank you. Okay, still more important information, so keep taking notes. Um, private scholarships. This is scholarship money that does not come from the federal government or the state government. It does not come directly from the colleges or universities. It comes from either private corporations or businesses, for example, like Coca-Cola, or it comes from private nonprofit organizations like Central Scholarship Bureau. So for example, CSB ourselves, we have about 25 different scholarship programs that we administer that all have different criteria that you can find out about. Um, last year, we awarded about $1 million to 200 students from all over Maryland. So you know, there's at least a million dollars there that, that we're looking for good candidates for. Um, so private scholarships are out there. Um, there is no magic scholarship that is going to completely pay for college except for very few people, and I don't think there's any magic way to get a scholarship. It does take effort to find them, and it does take work to apply for them. Um, I've spoken to several students over the years, and I've heard students tell me, I didn't apply, I didn't have time, you know, senior year was so busy. I didn't apply, I knew I wouldn't get it. I didn't apply because I didn't want to get a rejection, I would get upset. So all I can say is I encourage you to apply, you and your kids. Don't select yourself out. You know, give it a shot and apply. I know seniors are busy in, in their last year of high school. There's ways that you can make it a little easier on yourself. You can get a portfolio of supporting material like your transcripts, your recommendations, or your financial information. Get it together early now and have it already there so when you see a scholarship, you can just grab the papers. You don't have to start from scratch. You can play with your essays a little bit, your admissions essays, other essays, and use some paragraphs that you've already written. Yes, you have to write an essay that addresses the topic that the organization asks for, but you don't have to reinvent the wheel completely every time. Uh, so there are ways that you can do it. Um, some of these scholarships, correct, people say are not for huge sums of money. Um, CSB scholarships, the, the least we ever give is $1,000, and they go all the way up to $10,000 um, for some programs. Uh, but even a $500 scholarship, you know, makes a difference. It'll pay for your books or it'll pay for your meals for a month. And it's $500 that you don't have to go out and work for. You don't have to go out and find somewhere else. And I like to think of the financial aid package as a puzzle where you put a piece together here, a federal grant, a state grant, a private scholarship. So you can piece it together and get college paid for. Um, so when do you look for private scholarships? Now, you can start now. Um, the thing about private scholarships is they all have different deadlines. Um, CSB's deadline is probably one of the latest ones you're going to find. It's May the 1st. Um, but some have deadlines starting December, January, all the way through the spring. So it doesn't hurt to start looking now. Um, okay. You don't have to wait. In fact, do not wait until you have selected your college or university because by that time it'll be too late. Most people make their final decisions May 1st, and then all the deadlines have passed. So look now. Most scholarship programs don't ask you to have made a decision about a school when you apply. If you're a finalist, they might ask you during the summer when they call you in for an interview or to get updated information. But they won't ask you up front. You might give an idea of where you're applying, but you don't have to have made that decision. So that should not stop you from applying. Uh, so there's two big steps. One is you have to find the scholarships. You have to do some research to find out where the scholarships are. So where do you do that? Stores, banks, churches, places where your parents bank, places where you shop, 
just a list of rough examples of places that have scholarship programs. Target has a scholarship program. Shoe City, we happen to administer that one. McDonald's, Comcast, Coca-Cola, Tylenol, Best Buy, they all have scholarship programs. Credit unions have scholarship programs for their members. The Elks, the Masons, churches all have scholarship programs. Um, Some of the ones sponsored by the large corporations like Coca-Cola, Best Buy, can become very competitive. Uh, some of the smaller local ones, sponsored by local businesses or smaller Maryland, Baltimore organizations like ours, are less competitive. For example, the odds are about now one in eight or one in ten that you would win a scholarship from CSB. Some of the national scholarships, they're more like one in 500. So um, don't overlook the local organizations that are smaller. Sometimes you have to do a little digging to find them, um, look in local papers, but they're worth it because they're less competitive. So where do you find them? Of course, today, the Internet. You know, everyone goes there. Don't, you don't have to pay a fee. Most of the scholarship ser- services are, should be free. They are paid for by their advertisers. So you can look at our website. We have some links on it. Um, three really reliable places that I use are fastweb.com, um, scholarships.com, and meritaid.com. They're all reputable. None of them charge fees. They all list all the scholarships for you. They're paid for by advertisers. Um, You can also look at the scholarships of big companies themselves, particularly if you know you're going to major in a certain field. If you're interested in engineering or if you're interested in something specific, you can go onto companies' websites and look under scholarship or look under foundation or look under philanthropy, see if they offer anything. Another site, um, for those of you that Twitter, CSB has just recently got onto Facebook, and we have a blog, and we are now on Twitter. So for those of you or for those of your uh, students who do that... um, There's a site called wefollow.com, which lists um, all the organizations on Twitter that have identified themselves as certain kinds of businesses. So anyone who's identified themselves as a scholarship organization should come up then. So that's another place, if you like Twitter, that you can look. Um, You can go to our blog, which is csbblog.tumblr.com, and we have links to a lot of these sites on our blog as well as our updates. The old-fashioned ways to work, too, look at the high school counselor's bulletin boards, go to the counselor's office, bug your high school counselor. They get all this information. They are emailed and sent all this information. So make it clear to them that you're motivated, you're going to get to college, you need a way to find the money. Tell them to tell you about the scholarships that they hear hear about. And your local newspapers and your community announcements um, part always list scholarships. How often do you look? You really have to look all the time. Like You can't just look once and then not look for three or four months because the deadlines change, organizations change when they post the information. So you really just have to keep looking every couple of weeks, always keep your eyes out, always stop by things. Applying. All right, how to apply. I have two main things to say. Deadlines and directions. Meet the deadlines. Um, as you've heard, the deadline may f- March 1st is important for Maryland state programs. As I said, private scholarship deadlines will vary. So, for example, CSB's deadline is May 1st. Drop dead deadline. Don't send an application to us on May 2nd, which we always get, because we won't look at it. We already had 2,200 applications that got in by May 1st, and we only have enough money to fund about 200 people. So we are not going to look at that application that comes in on May 2nd. So you have already cut yourself out. So meet the deadlines. Again, get a portfolio of your information ready, recommendations, transcripts, the FAFSA information, a resume. That way you have to pack it right there. So if you see a deadline, you don't have to scramble at the last minute. Um, If you do use part of an essay that you've used for college or that you've used for other programs because it seems to fit, 
make sure you read it over and change the name at the heading or the essay so it has the right scholarship name in it. Because okay? when I get an application at CSB and it says, I'm, a, I'm, I'm saying a cover letter says, I'm interested in the Ron Brown Scholarship Program, you can guess where that one goes. Um, okay. Follow directions. Complete the application exactly the way the scholarship provider asks for, please. I know there's some things that might seem silly to you, but they will be looked at that by, by the provider. For example, some people will say, don't staple anything. Some people will say, don't fold anything. They'll dictate a certain size envelope that you use. But if you imagine at the other end, there's one person there, and you're getting 2,000 applications, and each of those envelopes has eight to 10 pieces of paper in, and you have to sit there and take staples out of all those papers, or you have to sit there and fold all those papers. You can maybe imagine why they put in some of their requirements. But actually, even if it doesn't make sense to you, just follow the directions anyway. Because somewhere there's someone at the other end, you know, who has their hand on the money and they're looking for the person who can follow directions. And anything missing or anything incomplete, you'll be in the out pile already. You'll be in the first group that's eliminated. If you don't understand something, send an email pick up the phone, ask questions. I'm there at the end of the phone at Central Scholarship Bureau. There's always people at the end of the phone in the email. That's what we're there for, you know, is to find the best candidates, get scholarships. You know, we want to give away this money to you. Again, other advice is make copies of everything. Once you've filed something for one scholarship, keep a copy in case something gets lost or misrooted and we call and say, we didn't get this, you have a copy of it. You don't have to start all over again. Reapply. Um, I was just at a scholarship conference the other week and, and the issue came up of how many people we can't award the first time but how we all wish the students would reapply because often there's a very narrow line between the student we pick and the student we don't. And you know, you'll have another year of experience, you'll be a year older, there'll be different funds available. So you know, it's worth the effort to persevere and reapply once you know the opportunities are there. And of course, if you get a scholarship, reapply. Don't just forget about us next year and miss the deadline, even if it's a small scholarship, because you're already kind of in the system and known to that organization, so reapply. So I want to thank Congressman Cummings for inviting us here, and um, please you know, get in touch with us if you have any questions. Good luck, everyone. Let me just, just come in real quickly on two, two things that she said. Uh, I want to add something. We in the Congressional Black Caucus, we all get we give scholarships too, and then, and I was just looking through our book, and you know we've got websites, we've got a whole lot of websites here for scholarships, and what we found uh, is that it's interesting that we have so few males apply for scholarships, very few males. It's like forty to one, and uh, so males, I want you to do them to. Uh, they're like $1,000. They may range anywhere from the $1,000 to $3,000. And so I just wanted you to know about that. Number two, um, if you get a scholarship, do me a favor. For anybody that you get a scholarship from, say thank you. I don't give anybody a scholarship a second year if they don't say thank you. I just think, and I tell them that. You didn't say thank you. Um, it's two simple words. But a lot of times, like when we do scholarships from our office, we may have, say, a total of, um, say, 200 young people, and we really go through these applications very carefully, and we may only select 15. But that means, and, and if they don't, if they can't say thank you, that may, I mean, it just causes me a little grief. Uh, I'd rather have somebody who says thank you. So I just keep that in mind. And finally, um, 
in your high schools, check to see what scholarships may be available. If you've got a young person, graduate, person graduating from high school, try to find out what scholarships may be available from alumni. When I graduated from City College, I got two or three scholarships, and it just so happened that the counselor, I knew nothing about them. I didn't even know they existed. And the counselor said, I think you would qualify for this or that. We had a wonderful counselor. And these were scholarships that had been, uh, been around for years. Uh, I, see, I can still remember the name of them. One of them was Wegline. And uh, it was not a lot of money. It was maybe three, $400. But like, like she said, that when you patch, Ms. Goldman said, when you patch all this money together, you're in pretty good shape. And believe me, believe me, when you're in school and you're trying to figure out how you're going to eat and a scholarship, uh, you know, you got your, you, you're eating sloppy joes and, and you, know, you know, sandwiches with peanut butter and then a $300 check come in and you can go to McDonald's. <laughs> you say hallelujah. So, so don't, don't, I mean, and I mean that. If your parents, if people who've been to college, they know what I'm talking about. So don't, 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 don't say just because something has a little bit of money, I'm not going to apply for it. I would apply for as much as I can. Instead of playing games on the computer, write some of these folks and try to get some money. It makes sense. Some, always remember this. Always remember this. Somebody is going to get the money. That's what you, and you got to think that. That's the way you got to, you can't say I'm not going to get it. Somebody's going to get it. Now, uh, Troy Quinn, we, we want to talk about this, the whole admissions process, because I think a lot of people uh, hurt themselves by the way they apply for college. So we want uh, Troy Quinn, he's the Assistant Director of Admissions at Morgan State, to come up and talk about admissions policies. And he's going to talk uh, about Morgan, but he's going to try to give you some broad <laughs> Uh, uh, goal uh, gui guidelines that you might want to think about for, for and 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 a lot of these apply to a lot of colleges. I wish I could have could have had all the colleges up here, but I can't do it. But that's one of the reasons why we're going to be finished here very shortly, so you can get back downstairs and ask some some of these very questions that may come up that may be when you listen to these folks may cause you to say, you know, I want to know about this about with regard to this particular college. Mr. Quinn. Good evening. So a lot of creative things you learn in college and preparing oodles and hoodles is one way you learn how to get through school. Okay. <laughs> There's some creative things you do with creating uh, oodles and doodles. But uh, let me share, let me share something about Morgan real quick. Um, we offer curriculum-based honor scholarships. Okay, and as uh, the guest shared with you, priority deadlines are very important. Okay, November 15 is a priority deadline to apply uh, to Morgan State University. You pretty much will guarantee yourself whatever you qualify for, as long as you apply, submit a complete application prior to November 15, 2009, for the fall 2010 semester. Complete application is the application, the application fee, high school transcript, at least 19th and 11th grade complete, and any SAT or ACT scores. But a Maryland resident with at least a 3.0 and a 1,000 on the SAT, you put yourself in a running for a curriculum-based honor scholarship. The stronger the GPA, the stronger the SAT, the more money the university will offer. Okay? 
But in terms of preparation, what I will say is every college has what's called a communication plan. Okay? That plan will basically capture you beginning in your eighth grade. The earlier you take the PSAT, and someone will share some tips on how to best prepare for that SAT. But the earlier you take the PSAT, the practice SAT, you put yourself in communication with the college you're interested in. We will go out, we go out and purchase lists. So if you are a student who's actually taken the PSAT, universities will begin to engage and communicate with you. And why is that important? Not only will we begin to communicate with you, but based on your interests, we will forward that information out to anything we learn about you. If you're interested in engineering, we'll forward that information to engineering schools. They'll begin to send communications out to you. If you're interested in political science, you're interested in architecture, nursing, and Morgan has a new nursing program. If you're interested in nursing, we begin to forward that information to those respective departments, and they begin to share information with you as well. And in addition to the, the um, curriculum-based honor scholarships, the money you heard about here, each and every department has opportunities for you. Whether you're interested in engineering, nursing, political science, journalism, all of those departments have scholarship opportunities, okay? But the earlier you plug yourself into those communication plans, the better, okay? So I don't want to scare you, but I will say that, yes, we do begin to watch you in eighth grade, okay? But watch you in a good sense, okay? So. As students move on through high school, once you, if you're taking the SAT good, I would encourage all of you to consider taking the SAT at least your ninth, 10th grade year, okay? And that's just a practice test. Once you've actually taken that SAT, okay, we will begin to encourage you more and more to, of course, consider um, our respective institutions, okay? But you will receive more detailed information based on your varied interest and how to actually not only apply to universities, but apply for those different scholarships in those various de departmental areas that you're interested in, okay? Well, what you want to include in that application packet, um, I just shared with you, of course, an application, transcripts, SAT scores, okay? Any high school involvement, any extracurricular involvement in your communities, okay? You want to include that in an application packet. If you are the editor of your school newspaper, if you are a fabulous singer on your choir, okay? Morgan has a world-renowned choir. That choir travels the world. Students receive full scholarships to perform and travel with that choir. We have a band. We have band scholarships, okay? So anything you're involved in, in your high schools, as well as your communities, you want to include that in your application packets, okay? So the more you include in those, in those packets, the more exposure you have to additional financial resources to help you and your parents uh, pay for that college education. I, I said we had one more speaker. We actually have two. I'm sorry. Um, Ms. Julie Knox-Brown is the assistant director of uh, advising at Howard Community College. And, I, and she's going to talk about community colleges. And um, we have some of the very, very best community colleges in the country right here in Maryland. And so 
I want you to listen up very carefully because this is a route uh, where, whereby many of our young people, uh, they, they might want to consider this. Good evening, everyone. I'm very excited to be here tonight, and what I'm going to do is talk about community colleges as if they are like diamonds. And so you've heard of the four C's. I might add a few more, the carrot and cut and color and clarity. So that's how I'm going to uh, present to you community colleges tonight. Well, first of all is carrot weight, and that's the size. And some community colleges are large, and some are small. Some community colleges, believe it or not, are actually larger than some four-year institutions. So the best thing that you can do for yourself is determine, do you want to be at a large institution or do you want to be at a small institution? And remember that a big diamond is not necessarily a beautiful diamond. You can find yourself in a small environment and, and flourish very well. Now let's take a look at cut. And basically the cut is the most important attribute of a diamond, dependent upon the craftsmanship. Bear that in mind. Well, let's look at faculty and staff at the community college as if they are the craftsmen or craftswomen. And they will take and cut the facets, and you are all the facets, um, being the diamond, to make the best use of light. In other words, the faculty and staff are there to support you, to nurture you, to help you along your educational journey. And the one part that I'd like to put in as, an, as a little side note is you need to be diligent, you need to be committed, and you do not need to be a complainer. I don't want to take math. I don't want to take English. I'm not so good at that. Why do we have to take fine arts? I hear it all. And basically what I tell my students is you need to think of these courses as your vegetables. Sometimes you like to eat them, sometimes you don't, but it doesn't matter. They're good for you. And we have a governing body, and I will not blame Mr. Parker. It's important. The Maryland Higher Education Commission sets the guidelines and the tone for the courses that you need to take at the community college in order to be successful either for a career or for transferring. We are not in competition with four-year institutions. They are our friends. We are not trying to take students away from the four-year institutions. But we certainly hope at the two-year institutions that the four-year institutions will take some of our students as they transfer and move on. Let's look at color. You'll also find color in a diamond. You're going to find a wide variety of diversity, people from all races, colors, creeds. You could be in class with a senior citizen. You could be in class with someone who might just have lost their, their employment. Or persons who are basically looking for a new skill set. They're trying to advance themselves on their job. Everyone can bring something to the table, and I'm sure you've probably heard that before in life. Now let's look at clarity. The point of clarity is to be exceptionally beautiful. A rough stone will never release its maximum brilliance and beauty, no matter how good its color and clarity. My point is this. Use this time to explore. Use this time at the community college to learn more about yourself, your positive attributes, your skills, and discovering your strengths. Now I'm going to add a couple of other C's, and then I'm going to take my seat, as they say in church. Cost effective. 
Funding is available. I am hoping, I am praying that you listen to everything that was said here tonight and that you took good notes. The money is out there, but it's just not going to fall at your doorstep. You have to seek and find. It is out there. It is available. And the last C that I have is convenience. Community colleges are usually right in your neighborhood. They're convenient and also classroom size. Classes are usually a little bit smaller than at a four-year institution, and some people need that small environment. The classes at Howard Community College are usually, although we are growing, are usually between 22 and 30. Now, the time for you is now to continue your education. And I wanted to share this with you. I, I got very tired when I heard this this morning, but understandably, understandably why. 1,128 students stepped into the Office of Admissions and Advising where I work at Howard Community College last week. I'll repeat that figure again. 1,128, a combination of new and returning students, walked into the Office of Admissions and Advising, to get ready to register for winter and spring classes last week. The possibilities for you are endless. Make sure you become that diamond. Thank you. All right, we're just about uh, finished now. And um, our last speaker is Mr. Marlon Richard. He, was, he is the director of Merlin Learning Center, and we're going to talk a little bit about the SATs, and that's um, very, very important, uh, and I want you to hear what he has to say because um, a lot of our young people, there are certain things that they can do to prepare for the SATs, and he wants to, uh, he'll talk to you about that, and I think this has been, I think Mr. Richie's been here almost every time I've done this, so please. Thank you. By the way, he prepared my daughter, my oldest daughter, for the SATs and her points, and I'm not saying this to make him feel good, but but her points went up substantially because he showed her a lot of things that she didn't know. And so um, I was very glad to have you there. Thank you. Thanks, Congressman Cummings, and uh, good evening, everyone. Uh, thanks for coming and, and uh, listening to us tonight. Uh, well, let me start by asking a couple of questions. Any uh, musicians in the house tonight? Musicians? Uh, actors, athletes, pastors, comedians. <laughs> okay, here's my, the reason why I'm asking is for those of you who've been involved in any form of uh, competition or any form of performance, uh, you just don't get up one day and say, oh, I've got a meet today, let me go run, or I've got a game today, let me go play. It doesn't work that way, does it? You practice for a long time before that. So the SATs and the ACTs, which is a substitute exam, you can take both, they require a lot of practice. So you can't just get up and go and hope to do well on these exams. And as Mr. Quinn had mentioned earlier, and certainly Congressman Cummings as well, you can get money out of getting a better SAT or ACT score. So first of all, you want to get familiar with the test, and secondly, you practice, practice, practice. Now, in every one of your schools, I'm quite certain that there are uh, books there you can use. The two books would be the official guide for the SATs 
and of course the official guides to the ACTs. Every school has them. If your school doesn't have them, I'm pretty sure they're in the library here. If you wish, they're not too expensive. They're about $22 in the bookstore. And if you're like me and you go on Amazon.com, they're half the price. So even with the postage, it's still a little cheaper getting it on Amazon.com. There are also um, courses in your schools, free courses that are part of your curriculum that are called SAT prep courses. So if your school has a uh, course like that, you certainly do want to take advantage of it. Um, there are a lot of commercial programs, like like uh, my company's programs. If you can afford it, feel go right ahead. Uh, there's nothing. Uh, uh, it certainly helps. The more practice you get, and the more expert advice you can get, the better it is for you. So get hold of these books. Practice real hard. Seek advice. If you don't take a course, there's always a math teacher or an English teacher in your school who can give you some good advice few tips here and there on uh, taking the SAT or the ACT. And indeed, the books that I uh, told you about, they're published by the people who actually produce the tests. And pretty much half of the book is made up of tests, the real tests you can practice on. The other half are made up of tips and explanations. So they're pretty much self-contained. So make sure you get hold of at least one of those. Use them. Use the front part to help you understand and get some tips use the second part for the actual questions themselves. And as I said earlier, there are two things here that hang in the balance. One is getting into the school you want to get into. You need certain scores to get in. And the second thing is getting extra money by raising your SAT or your ACT scores. Finally, you may ask, which one do I take, ACT or SAT? You hear all kinds of things. What I would say to you is if you are getting early in the process, you can do both. Or certainly practice on both of them and see which one gives you a better score. Nowadays, most of the colleges accept both. You can just check with them to see which one they prefer if they have a preference, but it's, they're both uh, widely accepted now. So just decide for yourself, based on your actual practice, which one is best for you, and you take that one. You can take both and see which one gives you uh, a better score. Thank you so much for coming. All the best to you. Work hard, practice hard, and God bless you. So if you have any questions about anything, trying to get, uh, get into college, get scholarships, give us a call. Thank you very much, and good night. Oh, give it up.